welcome to Sailorville once again. I'm Pat Nemers, this is my wife Marilyn, lead guy around here. And these are all the kids. Let's make them feel welcome, moms and dads and everybody. All righty. Okay. Well, boys and girls, look at me here. We're going to read the Christmas story, okay? Now, you don't have to read it because the words aren't going to be there for you. But do you love the Christmas story? Yeah. Do you like just getting presents for Christmas? Okay. You okay. gave the right answer. Oh, hey, Jane. Okay, yeah, you do. There's a true answer right there. Okay, so do you have, you have presents under the tree? No, not yet. Not yet, huh? Well, would the Grinch live in your home or something? Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mom, dad, seriously, I'm just kidding. Uh, when, 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 when Pastor Pat grew up, we always put the nativity underneath the tree. So you'd have all the characters like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds were there. And we'd always have the manger, but we didn't put Jesus in there until Christmas time. So he was always gone from the manger. And that's my concern. Jesus, you get a lot of Christmas and there's a lot of stuff about Christmas, but you don't have Jesus in your heart, do you? Some of you do, some of you don't. But this is a great story, and we want you to take this story to heart. So you ready for us to read it? Yeah. Okay, so here's how it goes. Okay, listen up, honey. <laughs> listen. We'll probably dialogue throughout this whole thing, okay? So here's how it goes. In Luke chapter 2, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And so everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room in the inn. That's sad, isn't it, boys and girls? But meanwhile, there were shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly... Uh, a great company of heavenly hosts joined the angel, and you can join us as they were singing and praising the Lord, saying, Glory, Glory to God, God in the, the highest, and, and on earth peace, peace to, to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened with the, which the angels have told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, do you think they could keep it to themselves? No. Wow. They spread the word concerning what they had seen and heard about him. And everyone who heard were amazed at what the shepherds told them about the child. But Mary 
treasured up all these things in her heart, and she pondered them. And the shepherds, they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Boys and girls, yes or no, do you believe this story? That's our prayer for you, that you will believe this story. God wants to reign in your heart through his son, Jesus. Though Christ in Bethlehem a thousand times be born, if he's not born in you, boys and girls, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, your life is still forlorn. Oh, would your heart but be a manger for his birth. Once more would God then come with peace upon the earth. So with that, let me pray over you children, okay? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for every one of these children, and we ask that you would place your mighty and merciful and saving hand upon every one of their hearts. We pray for them that their hearts, like an empty manger, might be filled with the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this for their mommies and daddies and brothers and sisters and all that are here today, Lord, that this story would be more than just a story. It would be good news with great joy to a grand audience. And we ask you to bless every one of these kids in Jesus' name, amen. They were great, weren't they? You should have seen the first group. God bless you, boys and girls. You're dismissed. Thank you, moms and dads, for letting them come up here. Okay. Thanks for coming out this afternoon, these unusual time slots and whatnot, but I know you've got a lot you're getting ready for, but our theme that you're looking at, and you just heard sung, is what our heart's desire is for everyone, that we're preparing him room. We see this aspect of the Christmas story, I think as it was intended to be, uh, a divine metaphor, so to speak, for us and our busyness, and we're making room for everything else for Christmas, but we're not necessarily making room for Jesus Christ. We make room for the news. Uh, a couple hours ago, we, I cleaned off my driveway, as many of you probably did. Then I helped with our neighbor. We have an elderly neighbor, and we've kind of gotten to know her. She's not a Christian, and uh, she's, she's sort of a curmudgeon. Everything is dark. The world is falling. The sky is falling every day. And uh, my wife was there earlier today, and she looked at my wife, she said, you don't listen to the news much, do you? And my wife said, well, I, you know, we, I watch the news all the time. She goes, well, I'll be surprised if we don't all die. Now, it's interesting, after that conversation, the two of us went over and visited an elderly couple in our church. He's dying of cancer. And when we sat down with him, I said, are you afraid? He said, oh, no, I'm not afraid. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know where I'm going. What a contrast those two, and he's hearing the same news she's hearing. I'm here to share with you what we just shared with the Christmas reading. This is good news. This is really, really good news, and I want to introduce this to you. I won't reread the passage because we just, we just looked at it, but we're talking about a Christmas story that, that is, theolo theologians call this the incarnation, God in flesh. Okay, God becomes a human. That's what we celebrate with Christmas. Christianity is built on three immovable pillars. 
the incarnation, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those things cannot be shaken. If they did, if any one of those pillars went down, the whole house would come down. But God told Jeremiah many years ago, he said, I am watching over my word to make sure it's accomplished. Have you ever read that? And God, I don't think, was ever watching more, if it's possible for God to watch more over anything, than when his son came into this world and fulfilling all of that prophecy. This is called, again, theologians call this the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union is a, it's just a theological term, which means what you have is perfect humanity, united together with undiminished deity, together forever. You see, God, Jesus was always God, but he was not always man. He became man at a point in time, at the incarnation, at the birth. That's when we... That's why we celebrate this, and it's so very, very important, and we'll talk about that as we, as we go, but when we come to Luke chapter 2, prophecies that were foretold that God was watching over are being fulfilled. The virgin has conceived, according to Isaiah chapter 7, and she's about ready to give birth. All the players are in place. Well, not all of them, because... Joseph and Mary have to make about a 75, 80-mile trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so God, in his providence, causes the Romans, Caesar Augustus, to issue a decree. Not so unusual. About every 14 years, they did that. And everybody, in this case, had to get to their town. Joseph was from Bethlehem. But the Bible said 500 years earlier that Jesus, according to Matthew, or Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, had to be born, the son of God had to be born in Bethlehem. So God arranges that providentially. And so they're on their way. They make their way there. And everything seems pretty normal, if you, you, know, if you can call God being born normal, in the first six verses of chapter 2. But then it tells us in verse 6, while they were there the time that is in Bethlehem, came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Still pretty normal. And laid him in a manger. Not so normal. A cattle trough. Because there was no room in the inn. Have you made room for Jesus Christ? A skeptic once asked a, an old country bumpkin, how big his God was. And he replied, my God is so big, the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him. And he's so small, he can live in my heart. And that's our desire, that you'd be able to, you would, by faith, prepare room for Jesus Christ. And really, the rest of this story uh, is heaven's own reason for you to make room for Jesus Christ, to prepare room for him. The angels then suddenly appear. You got the shepherds in the field, and the angels appear. And the first thing heaven tells us is to turn and hear, beckoning the question, are, are you listening? Because this is good news. If you're listening, if you're listening. I got a, a friend of mine that was, we were together here a few weeks ago, and, and his wife said something that was going to happen, and he turned to her and said, oh, I didn't know that. And she said, well, I told you this three weeks ago. And he looked at her and goes, how many times do I have to tell you? Don't talk to me unless I'm listening. <laughs> I thought, that's good. I got to borrow that one. 
See, here's the problem with this story with some of you. You've heard this story a hundred times, but you're not listening. You need to take heed to what Holmes said to Watson. You see, but you don't, you don't observe. But I'm getting ahead of myself there too. But you're not listening. What the angels do when they, when the angel rather, when they appear to the shepherds, the first words out of their mouth, when they're terrified is, don't what? Don't fear. Because it would be terrifying to see an angel. When John saw an angel in the last book of the Bible, he fell, I mean, he fell down to worship him. That's how glorious angels are. The angel said, don't, hey, I'm just a servant like you. Get up, worship God. This angel appears to the shepherds, they're terrified. The first words out of his mouth is, don't fear. And if you think about it, every time that expression occurs in the Bible, it's God's way of saying, I'm about to give you grace. I'm about to do something very special. We've already seen it repeatedly in the Christmas story. The angel Gabriel appears to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He's terrified, he says, don't fear. The angel appears to Mary. Later on, the Bible doesn't say Mary's terrified, but she, she, I'm sure she was. The angel says, don't fear. And again, the angel here says to the shepherds, don't fear. Every time God says, don't fear, he's about to elicit grace. You can literally trace the grace. And what he says is, I have good news that'll bring great joy for all people. So you got good news, and the word good news is the word for gospel. It's the word eongalion. It's the word for the good news of Jesus Christ coming. That's good news, wouldn't you agree? And that good news, if you receive it, will bring you great joy. That's what it does. And because it's for all people, it has a, it's a grand audience. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So the angel says, look, here's the sign. You know, in the, in the city of David, a savior has been born. He's Christ the Lord. Here's your sign. You're gonna find the baby in a manger. Now that's a little strange. That's a sign. I mean, just think about it. I mean, that's a little bit like, we had four babies born to our family this last year. It would be like my wife and I visiting one of our kids and asking where where the little guy is, and them say, well, he's out in the garage. I don't know any other way to make the equivalent here. But when, once they announce that Jesus is born, there's just an explosion of praise. This multitude of angels join the one angel, and they're singing glory to God in the highest. It's like they can't wait. Jesus left heaven as a... As a a tiny baby in the womb of Mary, and for nine months these angels have waited to just explode on the scene and praise God because grace, glory in heaven, grace has come to earth. So turn and hear. The question is, are you listening? And the other is, come and see. The angels had said, the angel had said to the shepherds, go, go to Bethlehem. That's where the child's been born. Come and see, because this is not just good news, it's true news. This is something you can actually believe. We've heard the expression repeatedly over the last year, 
almost coined this last year, fake news. There's a lot of fake news out there, no question about it, and it's not just amongst politicians. There's fake news on social media. Some of you are swallowing, rubbing snake oil on and everything else. You're just believing all kinds of garbage. But the skeptics have been out there for years, believing that this whole business of the virgin birth of Jesus is fake news. Just the other day, New York Times ran an op-ed. One of their leading writers, Nicholas Kristof, interviewed a Catholic cardinal in Newark and asked him, he said, am I a Christian? I like Jesus. I think he's a moral man. I'd like to follow him. But I don't want to believe in the miracles. Am I a Christian? At the end of the article, the the cardinal sort of fudges and says, well, there might be room in the tent. Let me tell you something. Not according to Scripture. you got to believe that Jesus was God and he became a human being. This is part of the, this is, this is the gospel. This is true news. And what the angel announced to the shepherds, they confirmed, they would end up confirming. In fact, in verse 16 it says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. The word found there, the Greek word literally means to find after a search. And that's important to point out because when, uh, remember that nativity scene I told you about with the kids when I was with, when we, had, we put a nativity scene underneath our, our, um, our tree, our Christmas tree, and we would put everything in there. We'd have the shepherds over here, we'd have the wise men over here, but the wise men wouldn't show up for probably a year or more. So the chronology is completely off there. And they didn't follow a star. There's no star in this passage. The shepherds literally had to go and search for that baby and find the stable and the manger where he lay. But here's the reason I point that out to you. There's nothing in this book that won't bear your scrutiny, won't take your questions, won't answer your doubts and all of your wonderments. This book is true. It's true news, and you can believe it You can believe what the angel said, and these shepherds would confirm. I know this because I was a doubter. For 24 years, I was a doubter. I was religious, but I was lost. By the time I got into my 20s, I was doubting everything about God, doubting the virgin birth, doubting the return of Christ, doubting all things in Christianity. I was beginning to move toward atheism, and then I was challenged to search. I didn't believe in the stable, in the miracle in the stable. I thought it was a fable, and I learned it was true at a kitchen table. Not in a church, not in an evangelistic crusade, but searching the truth on my own, it made sense. I believed, because this is true news, and you can believe it. By the way, that baby that they found, that was good news, wasn't it? Not just good news, it was true news. And you know, newsmen have an expression. They say, if it bleeds, it leads. They like catastrophe. Let me tell you something. This news would bleed as well. In fact, that was his reason for coming. Jesus' reason for coming was to take on humanness so that he could die. You can't kill God. God is a spirit. So until he became human, 
He could not die. The very reason that Jesus took upon flesh was so that he could not just fulfill all the righteousnesses of God, but that he would become a sacrifice for you and me. And we would believe in him, believe the true news. So come and see. Are you looking? And then go and tell. These shepherds couldn't keep this to themselves. Spread the amazing news. This is amazing news. Did you you catch that even in the reading? When When the shepherds found the child, it says they spread the word. And everyone was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Well, you would be too, would you not? I'm not, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. If you find Jesus, if you really find Jesus, you won't be able to keep it to yourself. It's not possible to keep it to yourself. uh, Just the other day, I called a friend of mine who, who, um, I, I received an announcement in the mail. I served on a board with them in a seminary. And about a year and a half ago, his wife died of cancer. And I got an announcement that he's getting married. So I'm, I'm driving to this coffee shop, and I give him a call. I said, Dan, I only got about two minutes, but you got to, congratulations. In two minutes, just give me the cliff note version of how you met Amy. He took almost 15. He could not, he couldn't help but tell me all the details. He was so excited. Well, you will be too if you find Jesus Christ. I got to that coffee shop and I sat down and started studying, just even for this moment here. And two firefighters came in and sat down right next to me with their uniforms on. They were older gentlemen. In fact, one was an African-American, another a Caucasian. The African-American, I would find out, was two months from retirement. And they were so close to me, I could hear their conversation. And what do you suppose the guy that was getting ready to retire was talking about? talking about his trips, talking about his vacations, talking about all his plans for the future. He was talking to his friend about Jesus Christ and about his love for the truth of God. And I just sat there and drank it in. When his friend went up to to go to the bathroom, I shook his hand and said, thank you so much. It just thrilled me to see how you were sharing Christ with him. He goes, well, I can't help it. I said, well, neither can I. If you find Jesus Christ, you won't be able to contain it to yourself. You'll want to go and tell. And finally, take it to heart. This is a treasure that will change your life to find Jesus Christ, to prepare him room. It'll change your life. The Bible tells us that Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her what? In her heart. The word ponder literally means to weigh out and pull together. So Mary was still trying to get this thing figured out. She's pulling all this stuff together. And that would be our challenge to you this afternoon. To weigh these things out. Pull together in your mind. And then believe it in your heart. Imagine The angel's announcement that Jesus had come. Oh, to have been there. Oh, to have been one of those shepherds, huh? Did you know that an angel is going to announce his return? The Bible says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven one day with a shout and with the voice of the archangel himself. 
and the trumpet call of God. And those who know, those who have prepared him room will go to be with him. The shepherds beheld him at his coming. Oh, to have been a shepherd, huh? Well, you can't be a shepherd, but you could be a sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And they'll never perish. Have you prepared him room? Because if you're a sheep, you'll behold him when he returns. And then Mary, of course, treasured all these things in her heart. Will you treasure Jesus Christ in yours? We have a Savior. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your heart. Some of you right now are just empty mangers. You got a lot of Christmas all around you, but you don't have Christ within you. Prepare him room. Let's all stand. Well, amen. And thank you so much for coming here today. And it is our, our, our greatest desire that you have prepared room for Jesus Christ in your life. And I know that many of you have, but many of you probably haven't. If you have some questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, how you can make room, come and talk to us afterwards. Or write this number down and text us later. We'll arrange a conversation with you. Maybe go into your home or whatever. We're here for you because we want you to be able to prepare room for Jesus Christ. We also know that Christmas time is not just a great joyous time for everyone. Some of you are, are facing first. I, I prayed with individuals in the last uh, service, who's, who, someone who lost a mother, some of you have lost spouses, and this is your first Christmas without that individual that you loved so much. Perhaps it was a friend, and uh, we hurt for you on that, and uh, just want you to know that we're here for you. I don't want to be cliche. We pray for you. If you want us to pray, my wife and I will be down here afterwards to be able to pray with you and encourage and comfort you, but we pray God would bless you this Christmas season. Not just your travels and all that you're doing, just truly bless you. And you will make room for Jesus Christ in your celebrations and in your own home. Do that. It's the only way a Christian should celebrate uh, Christmas time, to celebrate the Son of God becoming human. Amen? So uh, blessings upon you. Let you know that uh, we have a fellowship time right afterwards. We've got some apple cider, Christmas cookies, and coffee over there. We'd love to have you over there for a little bit. And there's a photo booth over there. So you don't need to come up here in the platform. Just over there, there's a photo booth, and we have somebody taking your picture, so make sure you get over there and snap a shot. God bless you and uh, what you're doing and your travels as well. Have a Merry Christmas.